My name is Sharzad Kiade. I'm a Gemini pescatarian, a mom of two wild little boys. I'm Susan Yara. I'm a mom of two also. This morning, I went to the bathroom alone. I woke up at five, put my boob in her mouth, and then she took a dump. Because that's what she uses me for. <laughs> that's what you're going to hear a lot of our stories and experiences in our crazy journeys to motherhood. It's fam for all moms, not for all dads, not fathers and moms, for all moms. It's going to be a good old time. You guys are going to want to stick around. Promise. So subscribe. Hello, and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine, and with me today is Alex Stewart. Hi. Hello, how's it going? Fine, I was tickled by your mouth warm-up exercises. Just looked... Tell me about your shirt, I had to ask you about your shirt. Oh, uh, this is Panerol from Uruguay. It does sound like a cleaning product, or a medicine. Okay. Um, yeah, it sounds like a medicine. Are they good? Are they good? Yes, they're good. I hadn't really heard of them. Um, should okay. I have heard of them? Um, I mean, if you follow South American football, possibly. Uh, they're Lovely couple of Libertadores finalists a few times. Yeah. Anyway, today's episode is supported by The Athletic, the best place to read about football online. Go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash TIFO. Get a seven-day free trial to see if you like it, try before you buy, etc. And then it's 50% off an annual subscription. Do you know what that works out to be, Alex? <laughs> is it half of 16p a day? It is. Yeah. Anyway, um, d- do go and do that. Today's episode is a Sensible Transfers episode. Of course, we're in January now. It's the 6th of January today. Uh, the hazard with these episodes is that, obviously, between recording and release, of which there is only 24 hours today, or slightly less than that, uh, maybe something will happen that we've missed out on. Do bear that in mind. Yeah. Uh, it could happen. The episode could be out of date by the time you're listening to it. But hopefully not. Um, also, things to say, we are avoiding questions that you have asked us <coughs> about Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, and Manchester United, because we're making video-specific um, ep- videos, video specific mm, yeah, videos. That was very clear. We're making videos about those clubs with the various positions that, that we feel need to be filled. It's also possible that throughout the month of January 2020, we will also uh, invite some f- journalist friends in and p- p- potentially cover some of those teams. We may or may not do that. We haven't decided yet. Um, there is also a video that we released at the very beginning of January uh, on the methodology of how Alex decides uh, which players uh, to suggest and the sort of, I guess, half of the scouting process that a football club would go through. If you're keen to um, understand how Alex is doing it, do go and watch that video. That may enhance your enjoyment of today's episode. You don't need to, but it's fun. Um, and also we're going to ask Alex to give a sort of brief uh, methodology uh, ahead of each pick. So when we do Wolves, as I know they appear later on in the episode, hopefully if we get to them, Alex will say, this is why I think Wolves need to strengthen here, even if the person has asked the question. That makes sense, doesn't it? You know, It does make sense. Yeah, fine. I mean, you're in charge anyway. I just do really where you... Loosely. Yeah. Let's begin. Um... The first question comes from Vinesh Bagava. Bayern Munich. These questions all start with a team because we phrased it in a way that that, that would come through. Bayern Munich. Bayern München. Based on the number of injuries and some ageing players, would it be more necessary to buy a (coughs) a world-class right-back and help transition Kimmich to a holding midfield role where he looks a natural or keep Kimmich at right-back and gun for a holding midfielder? This is assuming Sane joins and Nubel at the end of the season on a free. So the question is, uh, I suppose the first question is, where is Kimmich best fixed to play can you just explain to me uh, how they've managed to get another Philip Lahm because <laughs> I, I thought there was only one of those there is only one but there's also another one right um, yes yeah I think it's difficult to understate possibly how good Kimmich is um, I think I'm right in saying he's still only 24 uh, he comes out consistently high in just about every metric that you'd look for in a defensive midfielder or a right back um, 
he's he's fantastic and he has that versatility and that tactical intelligence there was a good piece on stats bomb i think it was probably a couple of weeks back um looking at how Bayern are pressing under, I guess you'd still call him a temporary manager, Hansi Flick, who was the manager of, of Bayern's second team and has stepped in since the sacking of Kovac. Um, and Kimmich is clearly absolutely crucial to the way they're pressing currently. He gets through a lot of work and allows other players not to press quite so much or for them not to have such an organised system. So... The first thing I would say is that probably, and we we did a video a while back on on trying to replace Fernandinho at Man City. Tough job. Tough job. And I think the the general sense that I have is that there are there are some very good uh, kind of destructive deep lying midfielders. There are some very good creative passing deep lying midfielders. It's extraordinarily rare to find somebody who can do both to the ability that that Kimmich can and that Fernandinho could. Um, so I would say that defensive midfielder is where he should play. Um, if you've got someone who's that good, that's where you put them. Uh, it's a lot easier to find better right backs or better centre backs, I think, than in that position. So let's say that you had a team stacked out with uh, all the best players, including Fernandinho. Kimmich at right back would just be a sort of a bonus. Yeah. 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 I mean, he d- he does everything that you would want a right back to do. Um, and particularly with Bayern using these kind of inverted forwards. And they, they're one of the first teams, I suppose, when it when it became very voguish to play with, you know, uh, wingers who cut inside because they had Arjen Robben and Frank Ribéry uh, on either flank and they were cutting on their natural feet. Um, I'll tell you what, they were the team to play in FIFA 2011 or whenever, whenever <laughs> they, they, those guys were at their peak. Yeah. Cutting inside and scoring goals was very easy. I, I, I think it's quite easy to forget just how good they were mm. um well did they did they 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 won the champions league beating dortmund didn't they in the final yes was that their, was, so that that was the one recent i want to say that was 2012 i think no chelsea won it in 2012 didn't they or chelsea had that crazy i was i was policing that so that's how i remember that it <laughs> it will have been between 2009 and 2015 was that it wembley then yeah right yeah um did they ever uh, second you to other counties, stadiums, to police elsewhere on a busy day? Because they do that with not, some... Not outside of the Met, no. 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 But I did West Ham, Spurs, Spurs and Arsenal were the two main ones. Wembley sometimes, West Ham once, Millwall a couple of times. The, at the Den. At the, yeah. Um, I'm trying to... I think that was <laughs> everything. Yeah. Right, okay. That was great, great times. Uh, so you think they should get a, a new right back then? Well, actually, <clears throat> I'm going to slightly twist it um, and say that actually where they need to look is centre-back because... So you're just ignoring the question. No, 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 I'm not ignoring the question. <laughs> seems like it. The reason I say that is because... So it, Arsenal have been strongly linked with Jerome Bertang, um, which I think is uh, nonsensical. But if they want to pay fifteen million pounds, Bayern are going to bite their hand off. I mean, Jerome Boateng was um, was the sort of butt of jokes falling over several times about two or three seasons ago, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, yeah. so Boateng is Boateng and Hummels. Obviously, Hummels now at Dortmund are both extraordinarily good at passing the ball forwards, but their defensive attributes have kind of declined over time commensurate with their pace falling off. And Bertang was very athletic, very quick, very strong. Uh, Hummels was a little bit more based on the reading of the game. But But then they hit 42. (laughs) Yes. So they're still very good at moving the ball forwards. Hey, fantastic Um, footballers. Sure. But, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, if you're Arsenal, don't buy Jerome Bertang. Uh, However, they've got Nicholas Sula, who's very, very good. Um, they've got a couple of youngish lads in their uh, second team. There's a, a right back slash centre back whose name I think is Woods, an American guy who who looks quite good. And they've got a, a, a Croat guy as well whose name is I can't remember. I didn't write it down. Um, Forest. Yeah, sure. Yes. Why not? Mm. Um, but apart from Sula, they don't really have a fantastic centre back. What they do have is a number of players who can sort of cover that, um, but someone like Benjamin Pavard, who scored, you probably remember that incredible goal for France. Pavard. Pavard. Yeah, yeah sure. That was good. Um, 
he should. That was in the World Cup, right? Yes, yeah. it was like a really lovely kind of curly volley thing. Uh, I, I would play him at, at right back. I would probably play Alaba at left back, although Alaba could play left centre back if he had to alongside Sula. But I think there's there's more scope for Bayern to invest in a really, really good youngish centre back, move Pavard out right, have Alaba out left. And were, then they, were, they, Park, were they playing Pavard at left at the moment? Uh, Pavard's playing kind of right back sometimes, centre back sometimes, mostly depending on the right. Depending on where Kimmich is playing, is it? Uh, yes, and depending on who's fit and who's not. I see. Um, yeah, because Bayern have had some injury issues. Um, so, do, do, yeah, do, go on. Oh, sorry, you were about to suggest someone. Well, I, was, I forgot but, that that's the point of the I mean, the it podcast. is a little bit. I was going to yeah. ask another question, but sure, go, go no, on. ask away. Ask I was going to say, after you've done this, do you want to throw uh, some manager hats in the name, some coach coach names in the hats? Oh, right, for Bayern. Not manager hats. Mm. We don't want any manager hats. We want names. Sure, okay. But do your, do your, what are you going for a centre-back first? Yeah, so there's a couple of guys... Um, <clears throat> There's uh, probably the most promising... So bear in mind that, that there are a couple of good young German centre-backs like Jonathan Tarr. Um, he's probably not going to go anywhere. Turinger, who's at PSG... No, um, Tilo Kehrer, who's at PSG, probably isn't going to go anywhere either. Um, but available probably for a reasonable fee would be a guy called Felix Udakai, who's at Augsburg, who is 22, six foot four. Very, very good. I think he comes out top pretty much in the number of percentage of defensive duels won across Europe's top five leagues. Good in the air, good interceptions. <coughs> Excuse me. I really shouldn't smoke so much before these things. No. Um, what happened to your nose? I walked into a branch. Oh, listeners, Alex has got some... Uh, looks like he's been punched. I you mean, when you came it. in, you said that, oh, everyone's families are crazy. I thought maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe your dad yeah. had finally lost it. No. No. He's <laughs> quite small as well. So if he, anyway. Right. Um, He'd be a throat puncher. So, so this Felix fella makes a lot of interceptions, despite the fact that Augsburg is the least pressing team in the Bundesliga. So he's definitely very good. He's one to watch. Uh, Stefan Posh, who we've mentioned before, I think he was in a Sensible Transfers video in the summer. He's at Hoffenheim. He's still a bit raw. He's got very good passing numbers, good in the air, good in terms of his defensive duels as well. He's not quite, you know, he's he's not immediately obviously going to be brilliant, but there's enough about him to suggest that with a good coach and the right development, he could be very, very good. Mm -hmm. um, I, think, I think we linked him with Arsenal, actually. We've got Man City coming up next, haven't we? Are we going to see any of these similar names here? Um, I, I can't remember where I... No, we, no we're not. Okay, that's interesting. Although, I mean, it's worth bearing in mind that, that to a degree with teams like Bayern or Man City or, you know, the really, really top tier teams, it's pretty safe to say that if somebody's going to fit one, he's going to fit another. I mean, Udekai, for example he's probably not quite enough of a passer for a Pep Guardiola team. But at the same time, you know, he had Otamendi for a long time who developed into a better passer. And Udekai's only 22. So, you know, there's there's room to, to coach that. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of others who I think are worth looking at. Um, there's a guy called uh, Mohamed Sinekin. Simakin, I think his name is. I'm Simakin? I'm always... Is he Turkish? No, it's S-I-M-A-K-O. I N. He's uh -huh. French, uh, but of Ghanaian descent. Simakin. Uh, and he is at Strasbourg. Right. Um, and he's much, much more raw. He's nineteen. He he has a lot of good attributes. He could. There's there's some interesting players at Strasbourg. We're going to come on to another one in a bit. Um, he's not first team ready for a top European side, but he looks to have all of the attributes that would mean maybe kind of gradually eased in or he'll have one more jump before he could possibly end up mm -hmm. at a top European side. A um, couple of interesting-ish right-back options. Mehmet Kelek, who I think has been linked with Spurs as well. He's at Lille. Um, shows up pretty well, but I'm not convinced he would be worth a massive outlay at this point. Uh, and then there's a guy called Arturo Calabresi at Amiens, who's quite young, Particularly good going forwards, progressive passing, lots of crosses. 
again, that, that's a big, big jump, but it's worth sometimes throwing names out just so people can have a look at them and go, oh, see what, they're, see what they're like. Um, so yeah, that's in, in the short answer to Bayern, move Kimmich to centre um, defensive midfield, keep him there, build the team around him, Pavard out on the right-hand side and try and find a promising youngish centre-back, of which there are a number in the Bundesliga, so... That's probably what Bayern will do, and they've got a couple in their under twenty threes who are who are decent enough too. Okay, um, we didn't plan this, but uh, coach. I, to be honest with you, I sort of forgot that Bayern didn't have a permanent coach. Yeah, well, I think Flick has possibly done enough. You know, it, I think the the Bundesliga is going to be a really interesting place come the summer. What's the situation? Uh, Let's look at the league. In what regard? Oh, in the Bundesliga. Yeah. Um, so Gladbach, RBL. Uh, are both quite high up, as is Dortmund. I'm just <laughs> just opening it now. It's because they stopped playing for the winter. Uh, so, oh, Leipzig. Leipzig are top, Gladbach a second, then Bayern, then Dortmund. Schalke under um, the fellow who was at Huddersfield, Wagner, uh, doing surprisingly well at yeah. the moment too. Um, so, uh, I mean, you know, if Nagelsmann wins the Bundesliga... He'll probably stay at Leipzig. He's, I mean, he may well stay there for a good two or three seasons anyway because Leipzig are, uh, they're a club, but they're also kind of a group that build very strongly on continuity. So there's this progression of players through from Salzburg to Leipzig. There's a very, very good um, widespread scouting network. Obviously, there's a kind of coaching philosophy that they're building there. So it makes sense for him possibly to stick around Rosa. He's impressed hugely at Gladbach. Um, he's in the Lucien Favre video that we released today. Mm. If he if he wins the Bundesliga, which I think is unlikely, then you know maybe he'll stay there. If he doesn't, then potentially a club with you know it is pretty unbalanced in Germany. That's that's why some German teams, uh, you know, whether it's Gladbach or, or Mainz, are particularly adept at scouting. Because they have to be, they have to be because everyone who's good and young and German gets kind of hoovered up eventually by right. one of the big two. Mm. Um, hey, uh, and that it, probably it, applies to managers. Nagelsmann's at Hoffenheim, uh, Nagelsmann's at Leipzig now, right? Uh, yes, no, yes, he started this season, didn't he? Sorry, I just got a text, I was distracted. Oh, right, <laughs> um, yes, Nagelsmann is, uh, and Leipzig, Leipzig is still waiting to win, aren't they? They haven't won the Bundesliga yet. Uh, there are there no, about I mean, no, I mean, Bayern have won eight in a row, eight I in think, a row. something like that. Yeah. What do they call that? A farmer's league? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I Why don't, do they call it that? I don't, I've never understood. Farmers. Yeah. I guess it's that kind of Sunday league. I mean, it's, yeah, it's odd, isn't it? I, it I, makes, I, is there some kind of hor- horror, horrible connotation to that? What, with farming? If, I don't know. Is that an offensive thing to say? Sometimes I see these things. I, I think can't. it's pejorative rather than offensive. No, but I wonder, it's not sort of about the this historical uh, farming genocide. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just, just reiterating just blissfully it. blissfully unaware. Yeah, farmers league. No, I don't think that. I do. I do think I mean, that. it's usually applied that. to Liga, isn't it? Uh, yes. For some particular reason. And obviously there is that French thing. You know, France is, is, is it, very agricultural. They, they grow... Their uh, veg elsewhere, and then they veg. They grow no, their corn. France and grow then, their corn, and then PSG just takes all the corn. Just takes the corn. Yeah, and no one, no one has any corn left. <laughs> <laughs> if you know why they call it a farmers league, please let us know. Maybe we're over intellectualizing fac- it. That would be so rare. I know. Uh, okay, uh, that's fine. Let's move on to the next one now. The next one that would be Man City, I believe. This question was asked by C-Mac, also Hakan, and Ross Jonathan H. Oh. Okay. Uh, Man City's defence, exclamation mark, and reasoning for the selection as to why it's a long-term stroke short-term signing that's best. This is sort of confusingly, unless I read that in a strange, it's kind of a confusing question. Um, the reason we haven't made a video about Manchester City, we should say at this point, is because really all they do need is a defender. And um, they only really need one now because uh, Laporte is injured for probably the season, right? Um, but when he comes back, he's going to be there again and he's good. So what is, the, I guess, the, the, you know, getting to the heart of c question, long-term, short-term, 
presumably the only reason to spend any money if you're Manchester City is to attempt to win the league. Um, is it worth it now? No. No. So no. don't spend any money, I Correct. would say, for this is the first thing. Yeah. And they probably won't? Or, or what do you think? Uh, I don't know. We don't, we don't know. We don't, we don't know. So... I mean, that's, that's always one of the great caveats for this. Well, don't this worry about it. Let's just go with what they should be doing. Speculative. Yeah, let's just go with what they should be doing. Though. We think they should be not spending any money. So, so what I would say is that they, the league is gone, right? Oh, well, I don't know. I keep saying that, but then, I mean, it, the league then is, it comes back. The, I don't the know. league is gone. Come on, look at... Did you watch the game yesterday against Everton in the Cup? No, I read about it, though. If that's how good their second team are. Yeah. I mean, like... I mean, Everton were woeful, but... And, and maybe Everton actually merit a sensible transfers video more than anyone else. Okay, they're 14 points ahead of Man City. I can't see that slipping. What, what is that? What would that That's have all, to be? I mean, it would be a cataclysm of, it would be spursing it to a degree that not even Spurs have managed right. ever. Right. Um, okay, so, it's, it's done, isn't it? I mean, they haven't lost yet. No. I think, I think the big issue for City is... So if they haven't lost yet, they're not going to lose five games... And Man City win every single game. I, I, it, to me, it's inconceivable. Yes. Even if they did, then maybe Leicester would win. Leicester are currently that's, second. That's also possibly the case. Okay, go on. Um, and wouldn't that be funny? Wouldn't then that be funny? Every, everyone would be like, oh, it would never happen. Oh, no, it has actually happened again. Right. The thing that would never. Anyway, um, so I think the big question mark over City is who's going to be in charge next year. Because Guardiola can walk away in the summer, should he choose to. Does he have an, an option to leave? Is that I the... can't remember if it's an option to leave or if the contract's up or something. You know, he's he's been there for the period of time that he tends to be at places. Um, they haven't won a European Cup yet. I don't think that's very likely. And I also don't think that spending 50, 60 million pounds on a centre-back in January is going to get them a European Cup either. No. So it's one of those oddities. They they have a phenomenal side and they're capable of playing some of the best football in the league. But for some reason, there just seems to be this inability to convert. They're probably now going to win the European Cup and I'm going to look like an idiot. Sure, I hope so, hope so. Yeah, we all hope that. Yeah. Um, so will he be there... You know, there's obviously very strong rumours that Valverde's tenure at Barcelona is on super shaky ground. Is it possible that Pep would go back to Barcelona? It's probably one of the very, very few clubs that he would consider managing at at all. Do you know what? I literally never considered that. Really? <laughs> I don't know why, but when you said it then, it was like a whole new <laughs> thing in my brain. That, that he would go back there? Yeah, I mean, that actually makes sense, doesn't it? It, it does. I mean, Barcelona's a... I mean, it's uh, Catalan, right? Yeah. Um, it's a very political club. And, and a political with a small p. I mean, obviously, there is the whole Catalan independence thing going on in the background. But in terms of the manoeuvrings for who is the presidential candidate, um, who the socios back, someone like Cy Harrison would be able to explain this far better than me. But there would be, I'm sure, not just an avenue back for Guardiola, but also there would be be kind of a political circumstance within the club that would not only welcome it, but would see it as actively advantageous to someone's attempt to become president. So um, that's very possible. Arteta obviously is now Arsenal. He seemed to be the heir apparent, um, in which case, you know, it's... So I think if City look to spend significant amounts of money, they should definitely rectify or sort out the managerial setup situation first they also have a guy on loan at Andelect called Philip Sandler who looks really really good um, who's 22 he was deliberately sent to Andelect on loan to play alongside Vincent Company um, who obviously departed City in the summer Company was initially the player manager he's now got some sort of weird hybrid-y role there but the two of them are playing alongside each other uh, Andelect uh, are doing reasonably well. They're, they're sort of improving now. But Sandler looks genuinely excellent. Um, he's 22, Dutch, uh, Dutch youth international. So you've got someone like that coming back in the summer at that age. That's very possibly a kind of a sensible thing to just say, we know he's coming back. He's getting good first team experience. 
probably don't need to recall him at this point. You know, we can play stones. The, the, there was a guy with a double barreled name who played in the cup. I can't remember, but he scored, you know, they'll, they'll have a couple of options there. Is it worth disrupting Sandler's development alongside company to recall him on short term? Is it worth spending a sizable amount of money because everyone knows city has a lot of money to maybe take a punt on the European cup, which is arguably along with the FA cup, the only thing that's left. Let's say that they did do that. What? Spend a lot of money. Spend a lot of money. Who's actually, who would actually be available and and good? Well, this is the problem with defenders is that, I mean, after, you know, really, really good defensive midfielders, arguably centre-backs, are the hardest position to find somebody who is going to elevate a good team into a great one or a great team into an unbeatable one. Yeah. That's why Van Dyke goes for 75 million. And I mean, if Harry Maguire costs 80 million pounds. That's, yeah, but that's Manchester United, isn't it? It's different. I mean, Harry Maguire is not worth more than Van Dyke. No, sure, but, but, but yes, the, the market is, period, yeah. the market is weird. You can, you can still find good players but I think what you have to do is like some of the guys that I suggested for Bayern you have to take a punt on getting somebody who looks like they have all of the right attributes isn't the finished article yet but then bring them into a coaching setup ideally alongside somebody who is really experienced and develop them into that kind of player and that's what Sandler looks like he might be do you think then uh, to take a slight tangent uh, momentarily that the Robin Van Persie transfer type. The Arsenal to Manchester United, I think it was £25 million because he was towards the end of his um, contract at Arsenal for basically one season. That can't really exist anymore for a player of that quality. So what we're talking about with Man City really is spending an awful lot of money uh, on a defender. I mean, presumably they they would buy a younger player, but can you imagine... A player of Van Persie's quality at his age when he moved, it was about 28, I think. Maybe he was 29. Mm. Um, a club buying them for what they know would only be one or two seasons for a short-term goal of winning the league or winning the European Cup uh, for what that sort of player would cost now in today's market. I think- Maybe that sort of transfer has been... I don't know. I think I think from a financial perspective, there's no real reason why a club wouldn't do that. Um because someone like Man City has the finances to do that. There would potentially be an upside in terms of, you know, shirt sales and all of those additional things. I think the issue with it is that that works much more effectively for forward players than it does for defenders. I think defense is about building a cohesive unit. uh, And it's about having players that know and understand each other's strengths and weaknesses and how to help each other out. It's much harder to parachute somebody in as a defender, I think, than it is as a forward. I've got a good question for you. Go on. Would you rather... (coughs) This is a would you rather question, it turns out. Would you rather have a back four that have played together for seven years, right? Who who, who have incredible injury records because they've been playing together for seven years, pretty much uninterrupted. This is like Bournemouth's back line before they got Nathan Ake. However... They are in the lower half of the championship in terms of quality, right. but they know each other inside out and they're yeah. a tight, cohesive unit. Or would you rather have Kimmich, um, Van Dyke, Maguire, and I don't know, let's say David Alaba, David Alaba, uh, as, as you are back for, uh, for, you had five games to play. Which one would you pick? But they didn't know each other and okay. they never played together. Forget Kimmich oh. and Alba doesn't work because they play together. So yeah. we need it. We need a different left back, whoever. Roberto Carlos. Marcelo. Yeah. Um uh, it's a that's a good question. Um I uh, let's I th- say pace isn't pace isn't part of the consideration either. Yeah. So I mean, let's it, just assume that the, the, the less good players are still as fast. I I would say that it would depend on the style I was playing. If I was Man City, then I would take the names, the high quality backline. If I was Burnley, I'd take the other lot. Because the style that I'm playing to requires a degree them, yeah. requires that ability to and we we looked at Burnley and the way they defended 
this was going back a while, wasn't it? Maybe, maybe even a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, the movement, the shaping, the way that they would funnel shots towards Hayton was the goalkeeper at the time. That kind of stuff is, is born of repetitive training and, mm-hmm. and an understanding of one another that you can't develop over five games. Mm-hmm. If you're Man City, it doesn't matter so much because those players have an extraordinary individual quality. There'd be a degree to which they could just sort of busk it. They may not be defending quite as much. Yeah, yeah, that's also true. I, th- I think the goalkeeper is also really, really important. And for example, yesterday, again, going back to the Liverpool game, people were making a lot of how young the Liverpool side was, as they were. Uh, you know, Gomez, after Milner went off, Gomez was the most senior defender at 22, 23 years old. But they've got Adrian behind them, yeah. who has already come in and shown that he's capable of stepping up and playing really well. Yeah. He's hugely experienced. He's been in the Premier League for a long time, so he speaks good English. You know, that the the degree to which the confidence of that kind of goalkeeper would make to a very young back line, I he's think. A, he's was, a goal daddy. This episode of the podcast is supported by The Athletic, the best place to read about football online. Visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash TIFO to get a seven-day free trial and 50% off an annual subscription. If you do that, you'll be able to read things like this. Oh, that's okay. your bit. That's my bit. Yeah. Uh, right. It's a piece from uh, Rafa Honigstein. Mr. Honig. Mr. Honigstein, who, yeah. Mr. Honig doesn't work, does doesn't, it? It's not his name for a yeah. start. Um, and it's about how Haaland got bought by Dortmund, as opposed to everyone else. Um, and the reason I've highlighted it is because I think it's very interesting for a start. It highlights all of the... Haaland. Highlights... One of these days. No, it's, it's just, just, it's just, pr- it's just pronounced It's just pronounced Holland. smacking you across. I, well, okay. Go on. Oh, correct me afterwards. Do carry on. Um, so all of the scouting that goes on, they talk about that, but also the there's behind the scenes stuff. And people will sometimes ask in our videos, like at what point it becomes what a club would do and we can't do it. So there's, there's stuff in here about, for example, how Mateus Sama went to watch him in training sessions more to get a sense of body language, how he reacts to mistakes, those kinds of things. The kind of psychological aspect of is he going to fit in as a young guy in a high-pressure environment like Dortmund? Obviously, we can't do stuff like that. Mm. Um, is this the one where they said uh, they, they got the team to love-bomb him with messages? Basically, yeah. yeah. Um, orchestrated by Thomas Delaney, apparently, who's a rather rugged Danish defensive midfielder mm. who seems to me quite an unlikely love-bomber. But, right, but maybe that's just me being judgmental. I think it is. Um, so yeah, it's it's just a really nice behind the scenes look that brings in a variety of different aspects of fucking penis. <laughs> <laughs> brings in a variety of different aspects of how a transfer is conducted and how you sway a player who had a really low release clause as well, 20 million. You yeah. know, lots of clubs were in for him. How did Dortmund make that He's laughing happen? at you. you know He's that. laughing at me. I'm going to go and punch him in a minute. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, yeah. you know, if you prefer reading about football to brute force violence, then you should go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash TIFO, seven day free trial, 50% off an annual subscription. And um, it's a fantastic thing. See ya. It's a fantastic thing to do. Goodbye. Oh, no, not goodbye. Back to the episodes. Back to the episode. Back, back, to, the episode. back to the episode. Yeah. Uh, this question was asked by Matt Olson. Could you scout any potential replacement for Diego Castro at Perth? He's probably uh, looking at retirement after yeah. our Champions League Asian campaign, oh. uh, brackets Asian campaign. Um, Matt also adds, there's no way Tifa would ever discuss the A-League, but I love it to bits, so I'm going to ask anyway, and I assume that's why you've put it in, because it makes you sound incredibly niche. Yes, okay, well. It's not as niche as the fella I responded to on Twitter about Estonia. Right. So. Okay. You've had a wonderful Christmas. Um, do Reverse psychology works. Let, tell me about <coughs> Tell me about Perth then, and I'm going to assume that you haven't been watching them all season through. No. So tell me what you know about Perth now and uh, who your replacement for Diego Castro would be. Okay, I know extremely little about Perth. Okay. I'm just going to preface that. How do you do this then? uh, Well, first thing I do is I look at Diego Castro. Um, I... (sighs) 
his output is so Castro is 37 had a kind of um not not a journeyman career but kind of knocked around the mid to lower half of La Liga for a good few years uh, and then is clearly having his swan song out in Australia, probably earning reasonable money and, you know, enjoying himself. Why do they call it a swan song? I don't know. I we don't, don't know. know. We just use these terms, don't we? Yeah. We don't actually sure. know why. Yeah. Does any etymologist... It wouldn't really be etymology, would it? Uh, I, that's what I, mean, I would it's more, say. It's a phrase rather... Well, like, anyway, it doesn't matter. Go on. So his his output, however, is extraordinary. I mean, he... In terms it, of goals? Um, well... What position does he play? I have some numbers. Who is he? So he's a left winger, but he right. plays, this season it appears he's played largely centrally. Um, he is scoring 0.34 goals from 0.15 XG per 90. He's taking almost two shots. He's assisting at almost half a goal per 90. He's making almost eight dribbles with a 72% success rate. Four progressive runs, ten progressive passes, five five deep completed passes. That means he's making passes within twenty five yards of the box, and they're finding a person. Yeah, I mean he he's so good. A Perth really good. Uh, I don't I don't know how good Perth right, are because really. that would give some context or some clarity sure, to those stats. Is, isn't it? The thing is, he is <clears throat> so much better in terms of his output than anyone else in that league right. it's kind of ridiculous right he's a very um, large swan with an incredibly long song yes that, yes yeah. i would say that's that's pretty reasonable right so it so it's an interesting one i mean yes i partly picked this because there's no way tifo blah 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 but also it's a really interesting question about how do you replace a player who is so incredibly crucial to the way a side plays clearly who's putting up metrics that are almost unrepeatable across a variety of different categories. I mean, you might find a player whose goals and shots and assists is that high, but they wouldn't be dribbling as much. You might find mm -hmm. someone who's dribbling and carrying and making lots of cool passes, but isn't a goal threat. Um, in fact, this is a conundrum that we face with, uh, I think it's the Chelsea Sensible Transfers video looking at a right winger. You know, it seems like you can have one kind of player or another kind of player, but it's incredibly hard to find a hybrid. Are you saying that they should be going for Diego Castro? <laughs> I'm not saying that at all. No. Um, but, and, and it's also a weird one in terms of, you know, the, the disparity in quality between leagues. I mean, there are obviously, you know, if you're someone like a, a stats bomb or a 21st club, there are clever ways using uh, what's called an ELO ranking of comparing leagues like for like. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have that. So it's very difficult to know whether, you know, the, the, the A-League is of the quality of, you know, halfway down the second tier of Spanish football, or is it about the top half of that second tier? Or, you know, where, where is this? How much of a step down was it? Was it a step up, et cetera, et cetera. So basically a really tricky question. Um, there is a guy... And I, you know what? I didn't write his bloody club down. Hold on. I'm going to find it. Mm -hmm. You find it. Why don't you talk amongst yourselves? Well, you know, I had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, I spent it at home. Enjoyed myself. I played a game of Risk with I found uh, him. a Brazilian man I'd never met before. And uh, oh. Did you win? No. Okay. I played table tennis once with a Brazilian man I'd never met before. Did you? Yeah. Please write in if you've played a sport or game with a Brazilian man that you'd never met before. <laughs> Go on. Uh, Dimitri Petratos, who is at the Newcastle Jets and is also an Australian uh, international with three whole caps, 27 right. years old. He's the closest I can find to somebody who is able to replicate Diego Castro's frankly absurd output in that league mm -hmm. um so he doesn't score as many he doesn't assist as many but great start yeah i know i know he takes a lot more shots he dribbles about half um i mean yeah the new console jets play in australia yeah they're in the a league as well do you think it's possible uh, given that how little you seem to know about the A-League, and I know nothing about the A-League, that when you say this and Matt Olsen's listening and going, yeah, obviously, 
Do you think it, that would be good, wouldn't it? I don't Matt could let us know. No, but it would be great if Matt yeah. can get in touch and tell us with his experience of watching the A-League how significantly more suggestion minus. actually is. Because if it's not, Matt, if what Alex is saying is, is ridiculous bollocks. based on numbers, that would yeah. be really interesting to know so that I can needle away at him sure. in future episodes. I mean, what I'm saying is that they, they play in the same position. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> really, yeah. really good. good. Okay. Um, and, and it's, like I say, it's impossible to find somebody in the A-League who is as dominant in terms of all of the different things that they do. Castro is the kingpin. He is the closest approximation I can find to that. However, I have some other suggestions. Mm-hmm. Cristiano Ronaldo. Potential swan songies. Okay. Mm. More swan songies. I like it. Yes. So there's a guy who's putting up very similar numbers in the, and I'm not going to bother with what all the numbers are because it just gets boring after a while. But okay. uh, he's playing in the J League in Japan. He's called Andreas Iniesta. You oh. may have heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> so he's two years younger than Diego Castro. A little bit better. Right. Um, playing for Vissel Kobe at the moment. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if he gets bored in Japan... Who could get bored in Japan well, next? Sure. Move on. Um, so this is the one I quite like. He's a 33-year-old Chilean international uh, called Fabiana Aureliana, who is playing Aureliana. for Ibar. Okay. Uh, so he's four years younger than Castro. Numerically not dissimilar. Um, obviously playing quite a significant role in an Ibar team that are you know, knocking around the bottom half of La Liga. But in a year or two's time, if he maintains that sort of output, he's exactly the kind of player that could go move from playing a wide attacking role in a higher league to a more central creative role in a league that is clearly not as good. Swan song. And do a lot of good things, swan songing. Um, Macnelly Torres, who is a name that will probably be familiar to genuine FM geeks. Right. Um, largely because he was persistently a free transfer with massive injury problems, but really good attacking numbers. Right. Um, he's playing for uh, Libertad in Colombia, and he's one of the few players in that age bracket who I could find who are doing the same sorts of things okay. as Castro. Right. Um, again, you know, right kind of age to maybe go and move there, but he's probably happy in Colombia sure. now. Okay. Um, and there's one last guy. He's called Konstantin Vasiliev. He plays for Flora in Estonia. Vasiliev. Yes. Uh, he's 35. His goals and assists are actually higher. He plays basically as a kind of second striker for Flora. Um, he's not as much a kind of a dribbler um, and a dynamic player. But if he were to play behind a striker, he could probably do real damage. If, again, as that tricky thing about how comparable the Estonian League and, and the A-League are. But Flora have won or won the Estonian League last season. So right. he's clearly good. It sounds like uh, old Diego Castro's best player in the world. Can't replace him. Can't uh, replace him the long and the short of it is you can't get a like for like for somebody who is that no. good and that dominant yeah. in the league. But okay. if there are some suggestions. Hey, if you're listening from Australia, by the way. Yeah, do let me know. Do let Alex know. Unless also, it's critical, in which case. Really sorry to hear about all those fires. That sounds horrible. Hope everyone's safe. Yeah. Um, don't know what else to say about that, but it's just from watching the news. No. Oh. Did you see that there was a woman who raised something like three hundred thousand dollars from sending nude photographs to anyone who donated over ten dollars to the Australian fires? Yeah, it's a good idea. Maybe I should start sending some nude photos. Would that work? No. Well, uh, anyway, best of luck. Hope hope everyone's safe. Um, moving on. Next one I'm just trying to see is from Mike Murray. Also, Fistic Arts with Jeff Wall. I thought that was a funny title. Matthew Bernardo and Alexander Rizden. <coughs> uh, Everton. Who do you think Carlo should go for? And in brackets here, you've you've put centre backs and DM question mark. Presumably those were part of the questions. Yeah, so when I think whoever it was, Mike Murray just put Everton, but then inferring from what other people were saying that 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 does seem to be the area where they're most concerned, and arguably that is the case. Um, they've not replaced Adressa Gay. Oh, how do you replace Adressa Gay? You don't replace Adressa Gay, really. 
unless you can sign N'Golo Kante. Right. And you can't. Well, they might be able to. Really? Yeah, they've got loads of money. Carlo Ancelotti's in charge. You sure. Know, I wouldn't say that that is ruled out. And also, uh, N'Golo Kante is uh, getting older. Yeah, but he's... Things are changing. You know, he's having different sort of feelings. Well, Chelsea have got no one otherwise of his profile at the club, so... It's never stopped Chelsea doing something weird. Anyway, yeah, all, you can all, never all I want to do is say that Everton, under Carlo Ancelotti, with Moshiri as their uh, majority owner... Yeah. I would say Kante is not beyond their grasp. Very unlikely. Okay. But they I mean, could. I, I they, would say that he's beyond their grasp. They could him. They okay. could. They could. We'll, we'll agree to differ on that. Um, yes. So, defence, defensive midfielder. Um, yeah, I mean, the two issues that they've got really are that, and again, there was a good Statsbomb article on this, I think, last season, that Idrissa Gay was basically covering for everyone else. Everton were pressing quite a lot under Silva. But actually, it was quite hodgepodge. And the only reason it tended to work was because Addressing Gay was so damn good. Mm. Um, and, it's, you know, it's terrible. There's very few things worse than when English people say damn. <laughs> Particularly in a sentence like that. It's just it really great. Did I, did I say that? You said so damn good. Shit. Yeah. Right. Move on. Okay. Move on. Uh, I mean, you highlighted it. So. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to do. Right. to interrupt you and then tell and you to then, move on yeah. as if it's your fault. Do yes. get on with okay, it though. Great, thank yeah. you. Um, so the first thing I did was I made a list of midfielders I really like. Okay. And I'm just going to read them out. Does it relate to Everton? <laughs> so the reason I, I would look at any... Your job is ridiculous. <laughs> just go home and then write a list of midfielders that you like and yeah. then come and say it here. Yeah. Why should Tell us why we should care. Why we should care about these guys. Why I should care about these guys, yeah. You, you shouldn't. No, that's I true. Mean, your do, job do, is to host the podcast. Get on with it. Read the okay. list. So all of these people are players who can play as a defensive midfielder in a kind of ball-winning way, but also are capable of progressing the ball, keeping it ticking over, in some instances passing it quite well. Um, and I think... They are all players, they're all fairly young apart from the first one, um, that would be worth looking at for pretty much any kind of certainly lower half Premier League side as as a development prospect at the very okay. least. Arsenal, I hope you're listening. Yeah. So Sasha uh, Zeldiar, I can never say. Sasha Zeldiar, how, how are you spelling that? Z-D-J-E-L-A-R. Partizan Belgrade. I, he's one of my Julia. sure possibly I don't know he's one of my favourite players and right. I've mentioned him before <laughs> he's still at Partizan he's still buyable he's still only 24 someone needs to buy him that's right. all I'm saying someone, just anyone just a, anyone good please right. okay um, Lyon have got another uh, young guy Maxence Cacare coming through he's certainly one who's worth looking out for did you say Lyon or Lille Lyon Lyon yeah okay. Olympic Lyon um, AZ are playing some quite interesting stuff at the moment in the Eredivisie and Toyn Koopminas who is only 21 is a very promising he's he's more of a deep lying playmaker than a proper defensive midfielder C can you spell Koopminas? yeah sure shall I just do that for the future ones yeah yeah just spell them out K-O-O-P-M-E-I-N-E-R-S okay um Antoine Bernard, B E R N. No, that, that's fine. We know how to spell Bernard. Yeah, but that's not. It's oh, it's a weird Bernard. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's Bernard, B E R N E D E, who's at Salzburg. Bernard. He's had injury problems, but he will be really good. He's okay. the kind of person Everton should look at. Maybe but you can't replace a dresser gay, but these, these players could, could be good. Jonathan Gonzalez at Monterey, who people may have seen during the FIFA Club World Cup. He's only twenty. Um, he's one of these players who grew up in the US, but has dual American and Mexican heritage, and has basically been lured down to Liga MX because the US doesn't do enough to develop its young players. Right. He's really good. Okay. Uh, and the last one is a guy called Jakob Lungi Sorensen, who plays at Eschberg or Aberg or however you say in Danish. E-S-J-E-R-B. Uh, no, R-G. I d what are you trying to spell now? Sorry, which one? <laughs> which e -S -J -B -E -R -G. word was that? E-S-J-B-E-R-G. E-S-J. Yeah, that's the club. 
Esberg. Sure. Okay. And he's called Sorensen. I really like him too. Like that keeper. However, I'm just kind of throwing those out there, really. Right. Because, yeah. Everton, though. For Everton. Right. Short term, defensive midfielder, ball winning, like good at shoring things up, scurrying around, doing all the good stuff. Paul Lunder at Willem Svey in Holland. Can you spell his name? Uh, L-L-O-N-D-A. Flander, if you're Welsh. Well, he's, he's Spanish. No, but if you're Welsh, yeah. he's Flander. That's all I'm saying. He's not. No. So, lots of defensive duels, wins a good... He's Spanish. Yeah. Yonder. His only issue is that he's a bit small. He's 5'7". Um, That's what they said about Kante. It is what they said about Kante. Um, and he puts up very, very good numbers for recoveries, interceptions... He's a good reader of the ball. He gets into the right positions. He's tenacious. He's the kind of player that you could stick in the base of a midfield and let other people do stuff, which I think ultimately is what Everton should be doing when they've got people like Tom Davis there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been linked with Baptiste Santa Maria, who's at Angers, who's a player I really, really like, and again, would be a very, very good fit in that kind of role. Um, Conrad Leimer at RB Leipzig is probably out of their league and maybe wouldn't want to leave but again Carlo an Angelotti. extremely good defensive midfielder of that type um, and the last one I'll mention is a guy called Julian Dessart who's at Kortik in Belgium who was at Middlesbrough for a while he's very he's six foot two but he's very kind of willowy um, and is I think he's a really good defensive midfielder. I'm not quite sure why it didn't work out at Middlesbrough. I think he had a loan spell at Derby as well. Um, but I would say he's worth a gamble. He's still only 25 and his reading of the game is excellent. So they're worth looking at. Centre-backs. Um, I mean, there's a guy, Rick Van Dongeling at Hamburg. He's nice. Rick Van Donling. Dongelen. Drongelen. Drongelen. Okay. Um, but the two I would suggest... If you want a cheap option, um, Alexander Schultz, who's at Michelin, who's Danish, um, is is good and solid and dependable, but also can pass the ball well. If you want more of a prospect, there's a guy playing for Hellas Verona called Marash Kumbula, who everyone's getting very excited about. He's 19. Everyone. Um, he is... What have I written here? 11.8 defensive duels at 74%. In Europe's top five leagues, that's easily the highest percentage among the top 30 for number of duels. Right. So he's he's contesting an awful lot. And of the top 34 contesting stuff, he's winning the most by some distance wow. at 19. Okay. Uh, Stefan Posh, who I mentioned before, is second on that list, by All the right. way. Um, Kambula is being linked with Inter and Juve at the moment. Um, so he would probably want to stay, although he, he's joint Albanian and Italian nationality. So I guess if a really big Serie A club came in for him, he'd probably move there in preference to the Premier League, but I don't know. Who knows? He's, he's worth looking at. Okay. Yes. Is that Everton done? Yeah, that's Everton done. Okay. Yeah. I hope you're happy, Everton. Yeah. Would you like to protect your online privacy? I know I would, uh, because in the internet age, it's easy to feel like you have all the freedom in the world, but you don't. The truth is that we've never been more monitored by governments, ISPs, and ad companies. In fact, all UK internet service providers like BT or Sky have to keep records of your online activity for 12 months. This includes all the websites you visit, apps you use, and your private conversations. It doesn't matter if you're suspected of a crime or not, the government can look into you without a warrant. And that's why you can protect your online privacy with ExpressVPN. Whether you're at home or on public Wi-Fi, ISPs are recording your internet activity. If you don't want them on the police snooping on your data, you have to use a VPN. And it's not just for people in the UK. In the US, ISPs can even sell your data to advertising companies. ExpressVPN is very easy to use. Just download the app onto your computer or your phone and click connect and voila, you are protected. You use the internet just like you normally would, but with ExpressVPN, your data is encrypted and your IP address is masked. So, protect your online activity today like we did and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash TIFO. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com forward slash TIFO for three months free with a one-year package. Vaishnozin, also uh, Gensil Demello 
and Matteo DS01. They ask AC Milan position entire squad including manager. Mm. Okay, let's not do the whole squad though because yeah, we've we're only not got going five to. minutes. Yeah, we're not going to do uh, we're not going to do that at all. What we're going to say is that there is no point in buying anybody currently if you're AC Milan. Why, why is that? There's also no point in replacing your manager because Pioli has only been there since the 9th of October this year. Right. That squad has Donnarumma, Calabria, Hernandez, Romagnoli, Benesser, Cassie, Paqueta, Suso, Piatic, Rebic and Rafael Liao. It's a really good squad. Right. Basically what happened there is that Gattuso screwed it up massively. Gianpaoli came in, didn't do a very good job, and also told everyone he was an Inter fan. And, <laughs> right. They actually have recruited no. really smartly. And uh-huh. people like Benacer and Kessie are very, very good signings. Paqueta also. Yes, arguably they need one central defender maybe, but there is the bones of a really, really good squad there. Mm-hmm. They have looked awful recently. Um, What's the situation in Serie A? Uh, I mean, they're down in like ninth or 10th currently. Okay. Um, I watched the 5-0 loss to Atalanta. Um, Atalanta were extraordinarily good, particularly towards the end of the second half when Milan looked like they just basically gave up. But what I would do is stick with things as they currently are. And the, the reason I put this question in is to say that the answer is not always buying a new player. And it's not always sacking a manager. Um, sometimes you need to give somebody an opportunity. I think Pioli could probably do certain things, like I would switch to a 3-4-3, um, make use of these good attacking fullbacks, um, have quite a dynamic midfield with Benacer and Kessie, um, maybe play Paqueta off two strikers. Rebic and Piatic could work quite well together. I think there's there's a lot of possibilities in that squad, but this kind of rush to say, oh, we need to sign somebody, we need to replace this person, that person, that's what will save it all. That That's not always the correct way to go about it. Can I say, um, let's uh, team like I'm not, AC... I'm not digging out the people who suggested that, by the way. No, I'm sure, just saying sure. that, that that would be my sensible approach to it, is to just give it time. Sure. Um, AC Milan, fallen on hard times, lots of good players, mm. uh, but you know, struggling in the league. Would this be a good time for... Uh, other clubs to try and raid that cupboard? Uh, that certainly is possible. Thieve um, the butter from the larder, if you know what I'm case, saying. I mean, if you're looking... one I mean, of the Benes most, is the one that pops out to me. Benes is really, really good. We, we, I think we wanted him for, or we suggested him for Arsenal last summer in that kind of holding midfield role. Calabria is one of the most promising right-backs in Europe. Hernandez is one of the most promising left-backs in Europe. Um... Kessie is a very dynamic box-to-box kind of midfielder who came through Atalanta's um, right. academy. Paqueta, we did a player profile on way, way back, who we really liked as well. Um, Rebic and Piatek are odd ones because Rebic was, I mean, he was in the Croatia squad. Had a great he, World Cup. I mean, he had a great World Cup. Um, has barely got a look in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's partly because they keep chopping and changing formations. And, and Rebic is, is used to playing in a two with one behind or a kind of quite narrow front three. And Milan haven't really done either of those things. Yeah, Piatek was the guy who was scoring stupid numbers last season and has just gone completely off the boil. So maybe that's a confidence thing. But he's not, you know, these are not bad players. In fact, some of them are very, very good. So either if you're another club, yeah, maybe go and look to pick the bones out of Milan at the moment. Yeah. If you're Milan, don't do very much. Just hold tight, back the manager, try and foster some confidence. The odd thing is that they're one of these clubs who've got, uh, they've got a good analytics department who makes sensible suggestions, clearly. Um, but they're run by two ex-players um, in Maldini and Boban. So there's a kind of inherent tension there between suggesting people that are sensible acquisitions and the desire to kind of bring Milan back to its glory days straight away and recruit Zlatan Ibrahimovic for that reason, which Mm. just makes no sense to me at all. Okay. Uh, The final question we have is from uh, David Perez. Wolves have a pretty good attack and midfield. What do they need in defence so they can compete for the top four? Thank you. Thank you, David Perez. 
what do you think, Alex? Yeah, I mean, not to be snarky, it's tricky here because actually, if you look at Wolves this season, they're fifth for expected goals against um, and they've conceded only the seventh most goals. Um, they are still doing what they've managed to do fairly consistently, which is to limit the opposition to pot shots from quite far out. Um, so they, why aren't they in the top four? Because there are four clubs who are better. Right. I mean, it, sometimes it is that simple. It doesn't, there's not necessarily, if you're, if you're a Wolves or potentially even a Leicester, who I would say are kind of overachieving to a degree, that there is likely to be a ceiling where unless something extraordinary happens and maybe, you know, if Leicester sustain this next season, then I'm happy to say I'm wrong. But um, there is always going to be a group of clubs who just buy very, very good players who are very, very well coached. Wolves have good players and are really well coached. I don't necessarily see that there's a straightforward way of saying, oh, well, if they sign a couple of really good defenders, that will propel them into the top four. I don't. However, as it stands, though, the Leicester argument is um, is a pretty good one to make, isn't it? Well, yeah, but I think it's the interesting thing with Leicester is that you would argue that it's some of those players are kind of punts almost. So someone like James Madison, who's playing fantastically well, someone like um, Soyuncu, who's playing really, really well, you wouldn't necessarily expect the level of them... Maybe, but Straight I think away. if you watched James Madison at Norwich, you'd think... Oh, no, he's great. Yeah. But would you say that he would be part of probably three or four players who have made the difference to take Leicester into the top two in the Premier League? I, I think that would be very ambitious. Maybe they would have said that, though. I mean, the, probably the most important signing was Johnny Evans, actually. Right. But, you know, it's it's very hard to say, is that sustainable? I don't know. We'll see. Um hmm. If I'm Wolves, I'm probably looking at William Trustekong at Udinese as that kind of ball-playing central centre-back. Um, Musa Niaketi, who's at Mainz, I like a lot. Um, and Gabriel at Lille, who has come up also... I mean, he's come up a few times. If, if you're looking to... I think the, the thing that Wolves probably need to do is, is have somebody who is capable of hitting it long, bypassing the midfield, passing it well, because that's how they tend to accelerate most of their attacks, try and get it mm. to Triori and then see what happens. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, or Moutinho kind of moving up behind the forward line. So they want good passes. They want people who are aerially dominant. They're not shopping in the big leagues again. So these are all kind of more affordable. People like Philip Halanda, Gabriel at Lille, um, there's a, actually, there's a guy called Naif Agard, A-G-U-E-R-D, who's at Dijon, who's got fantastic passing numbers for a centre-back. Um, I didn't actually get the chance to watch him, um, unusually for these things. but um, So yeah, and also if they want a left-back, this is everybody should be looking at this guy. This is the last name, I think, because you're, you're getting fractious now. I'm getting a little, little bit bored. Yeah, okay. So there's a guy called Anthony Cacci at Strasbourg. Who catchy. is C-A-C-I. Catchy monkey. I mean, you'd say, save that up, haven't you? Um, he's only 19. He's a two-footed wide defender. So he's largely... He's got two, he's got two feet. Oh, fuck off. Sorry. He's he's largely playing at left back, but he also plays a lot at right back. Um, he's ridiculous for most of the good metrics that would tend to suggest a fullback of real potential. He's kind of like, he's like Trent Alexander-Arnold a season, two seasons ago. Not last season, the season before that. And what was his age? He's 19. Mm. So somebody needs to be looking to buy him mm. because he could be really, it is worth saying, by the way, that when you look at fullbacks across Europe, Trent Alexander-Arnold is so much better <laughs> than almost everybody else really? is kind of not even funny. I mean, he's just extraordinary. When you're a big club and a player comes through like that... It's phenomenal. It's kind of lucky, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. But but then you've got that with Gomez. You've got that with some of the other guys who... Um, I didn't think Phillips, the other centre-back in that game, was particularly good. He's probably the only player I would look at from that team and say, eh, not convinced. But... 
you know, if, if somebody like Alexander Arnold comes through your academy, you're doing something very, very right. And mm. also you're getting quite lucky. Mm. Okay. Well, we'll be back next week with another Sensible Transfers episode. Um, you've sent in about 700 questions. So unless you've got a really good idea that you're confident no one else has asked. Yeah, don't, don't bother. Don't bother. Um, but if you do want to, you can find uh, a community post on YouTube that we uh, put out last week. Yeah. Um, you can leave your question there. Or, you know, you can tweet directly at Alex at AFH Stewart. Please don't do that. On Twitter. Please don't, don't do please that. Please do. No. Please do. Don't want um, to hear from you. I think we're going to have Seb next week as well. Uh, and depending on uh, our plans for uh, for January podcast, as I said, we may or may not do some club specific ones as, as, as well. So we'll see. We'll see how we go. Uh, anyway, thank you very much for listening. Thanks to Alex for all of his hard scouting work. Uh, as I said, do go and watch that methodology video. We'll uh, link it in uh, the bio of this podcast. It's worth doing so you can see how Alex actually comes up with all of the names in his little uh, scrawled Bible. And um, we will be back next week. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye-bye. the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.